This episode is brought to you by Factor Meals. It certainly is because eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. If you're somebody like me who cannot cook to save their little lives, it's a game changer. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef crafted, dietitian approved, and ready to eat in, wait for it, just two minutes. Plus, you'll have over 35 options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Also, there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. You can pick from two minute meals where you can fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant quality meals that are ready to heat and eat whenever you are. With pancakes, smoothies, and more, discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. And Factor Meals are ready to heat and eat. They're ready. There's no prepping. There's no cooking. There's no chopping up veggies. None of that stuff. If you're like me and you're busy, whack on a podcast, whack these in, and they're ready to go. Nothing for you to do. No cleanup either. And the great thing is it's flexible for your schedule. So you can get as much or as little as you need when choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime if anything changes. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. So sign up and save. Factor is less expensive than takeaway and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. So head to factormeals.com slash TWTW50 and use code TWTW50 to get 50% off. That's code TWTW50 at factormeals.com slash TWTW50 to get 50% off. Hello, I'm Grongy Maguire and this is Chantelle Viducin Pate. Hello. bonded over our love of reminiscing about weird celebrity couples. The ones no one would believe happened if Google wasn't there to back it up. We want you to join us as we remember when love was young, times were simpler, and we really thought that Angelina and Billy Bob Thornton were going to make it. Every week we're joined by a celebrity guest to discuss the showbiz romance they never got over. So take our hand and stroll down memory lane with us as we remember the, the way, way they were. Hi Chantelle. Hi Grania. how are you? I'm good. I'm, I'm still reeling. I got some listener feedback from a dear friend, Mr. Oh. Meredith, who's a fan oh. of the pod. And okay. he said his favourite thing about the podcast was how um, I seemed capable of pronouncing various words. Oh, Heresy. Heresy, I should say. I don't trust it. I don't trust this Mr. Meredith person. And apparently I can't speak properly. And he wasn't even talking about my accent. He just was like various words I just arbitrarily say wrong. Just mispronunciation throughout each episode. Okay, well, there's listeners out there, regulars, several of them I know of. Yeah. Please get in touch and let us know. I personally, as your co-host, do not, I'm unaware have you mispronounced? Okay, if you can see Grania's face, she looks so sad. <laughs> I, am, I am unaware of you mispronouncing anything. You pronounce everything perfectly. But can listeners, can you please get in touch and reassure or agree with Mr. Meredith? The thing is, the thing know. is, thing is, right? In my defense, I think in emotions and feelings. And then I have to translate that into my head 
to Irish and then my third language, English. So things are going to get lost in translation, guys. I think in like Saoirse Ronan facial expressions, then it sure. goes to Irish, then it goes to English. So I'm, 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 I'm spinning a lot of plates. You, you pronounce the words that matter correctly. <laughs> Romance, love. The name Cher, it's a bit dicey, but that's why I say it. <laughs> so that's my showbiz gossip. I can't speak properly. Showbiz gossip. <laughs> yeah. I don't have any showbiz gossip. I'm sad that we missed um, the Golden Globes catch-up, unfortunately. Did you watch any of it at all, though? I watched some of the outfits. I thought the presenter did a brilliant job. I thought he was brilliant. I'm the exact opposite. I thought he was the worst host I've ever seen. But I just like, sorry, I this it was is, dreadful. I mean, I just loved the energy he brought to a hosting job. He genuinely couldn't give a shish. And I thought that was quite, instead of like, the, and don't get me wrong, I love a little Billy Crystal razzle, razzle, dazzle. But I also <laughs> appreciated somebody purposely doing the exact opposite. I thought it was very funny. I didn't mind the energy vibe, but just some jokes would have been helpful. Just repeating the same one seven times isn't a joke. I did like the Scientology joke just for the bravery it took. Yeah. So I'll give him major props for that. Everything else, it was the worst hosting. I almost, but I did by the end of it enjoy how bad it was. He was just, everyone was just bored. <laughs> he like lost control of the room. They're all just talking amongst themselves. Good. And they stopped listening. Good. Which I found funny. Those rich, and, um, successful people should be bored more often. That's probably the yeah. first time they've ever been bored since they've become famous, so that's good. Hopes are up for the um, for the Oscars. They're coming soon. We, we have a lot of award shows to get. Oh. We'll more awards gossip coming down the tube for us. But but meanwhile, can you bring yourself to pronounce who we have on the podcast this week? Well, I can pronounce and announce that she is incredibly funny comedian and a fantastic writer. She's also the host of her own podcast, mm. The Breakup Monologues. We are blessed by the presence of the incredible. Rosie will be. The, the way they were. Hi, Rosie. Thank you so much for being on our podcast. Thank you. It's lovely to see you again, Gronya, and to meet you, Chantel. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here. I'm so excited. Because oh. you are a very special guest, because not only are you a brilliant comedian, you're also a bit of an expert on breakups. Oh, well, well, it's very kind of you to say. I have been sometimes known as the queen of breakups wow. because I, I do a podcast all about breakups and I've written a book all about breakups as well. So, yes, I love talking about relationships that go wrong because I think that that's where the real interesting stuff happens and reveals so much about who we are as human beings. And, of course, you can separate very consciously and amicably, but I've only learned how to do that in my latter breakups of which I've had many <laughs> <laughs> what's been your worst like I make it like, sorry when I say you're an expert on breakups I don't mean like you famously have a bad love life I mean well, you are very no, interested in it to be honest Grania that's a fair assessment I mean <laughs> I've had a lot of breakups so being the queen of breakups probably does mean you're bad at making romantic choices in the first place and you become very practiced at something that maybe other people have only had one or two of uh, but yeah, the, the breakup that I talk about the most is the one where I got dumped by email, but did feel much better once I corrected her spelling. Oh my God. <laughs> they oh love that. No. That's how you get back in their hearts. <laughs> you know what? Never mind. All those red circles remind me of how much I love you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Oh. And how long had you been going out with each other for? 
oh, like five years. So to me, then that felt a bit abrupt because uh, this is going back quite a few years. I mean, now mm. an email would be quite quaint and polite, wouldn't it? Because now people just disappear and they do all this ghosting, don't they? And there's this whole new language around breakups, this whole new lexicon, isn't there? Um, for all these ways of disappearing and not getting back to somebody. So, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting times and I perhaps should have appreciated and treasured that breakup email more than... Uh, <laughs> I can't believe after... So much. I can't believe after five years she also didn't realise, like, what a grammar pedant you were so you think she would have known <laughs> after five years really spell check this one <laughs> so that's really that shows her that shows her negligence towards your what matters to you and your values that's so true. you're better off without yeah. her that's that's a good assessment yeah <laughs> well so rosie you have picked an incredible couple but as mm. always Chantel doesn't yet know who mm. we're going to be talking about but I can provide a few clues. So, mm-hmm. Chantelle, I can tell I'll you listen that Rosie's couple got together in the golden year of 1987. Okay, okay. Let's set the scene. Ronald Reagan begs Gorbachev to tear down that wall. Margaret Thatcher is elected as Prime Minister of the United Kingdom for the third time and Married with Children debuts. Oh, great choice there, Grania. These were the only iconic cultural moments happening this year because this was also the year that she was in love, actually. Okay. Because there was something about this boy that meant he couldn't behave. (laughs) Do we have your dream couple here? We've it's done happened. it. We've. I cannot believe we've done it. We finally have. This is the couple. We can quit the podcast now. I know it's Hugh Grant and, of course, Elizabeth Hurley. But this is why Grania started this podcast, was to discuss this couple. So I... We, I feel bad because we've had a lot of recordings lately. I thought, oh, it's a lot of research for Grania doing a short amount of time. I know for a fact she's done no research. It's in her head. <laughs> she knew all this already. This was She didn't have to even put pen to paper once. She, this is all by memory. Right back down to Gorbachev and Reagan and all of it. She knows everything. I'm so happy for you, Grania. Yeah, thank you. When I, it thank was... you, Rosie. What a gift. It oh, really I didn't realise I had stumbled on the gold of this, this podcast is, that Grania is... was waiting to uncover. And it, I mean, it's so nostalgic for me to go back to this era because it's before I did all this research about the psychology of love when I was still, I think, a bit of a love addict mm-hmm. in a very unhealthy way. I believed that love was all about suffering and self-sabotage and having unrequited crushes and, and everything being doomed. And there was something quite romantic about that. It was very much of the Romeo and Juliet school of thought. But yeah, I had that's why I sort of had to study <laughs> more about the psychology of love for all these books and stuff to actually be able to exist in a healthy way in an actual real live relationship and I do think this relationship taught me a lot about real live relationships as well Hugh and Liz which we'll come on to yeah they they can teach us a lot oh Grania go for it baby go for it baby this this is your heaven what I love about this couple is just in the broader sense they exist in this amazing pre-internet tabloid world where you know a lot of the sort of couples from like the noughties and onwards everything is online their interviews everything but Liz and you they're kind of this weird nebulous tabloid but not much of an internet footprint Mm. it's fascinating 
There's like yeah. a Camelot. It's another world. Yeah. yeah, it's so fascinating. I mean, I first arrived in London when Four Weddings and a Funeral was the big film that was out at the time. And I was actually studying on a sort of film and TV course. And I had a placement in film and TV production. And so I, Hugh was one of the few men that I've ever had a bit of a crush on, even though I knew I was gay at that time, or mostly gay anyway. And it, I think it was all about the floppy fringe yeah. I love a bit of floppy fringe. My first girlfriend had that same hairstyle. I was going to say, later, early 90s, uh, that was a very Katie Lang look, the floppy yeah, fringe. Yeah, so. it was, wasn't it? Later on, she added some Jerry Hallowell stripes, which Ooh, was quite fun nice. as well. <laughs> but yeah, no, I love a floppy fringe. And so, yes, I was a bit in love with Hugh. And then, obviously, Liz Hurley, the first real visuals I saw of her were the safety pin dress, you know, oh. which was, wow. But yeah, it was, as you say, it was such an interesting time, wasn't it? I I love it, just thinking about that that kind of era. When when we think back, it wasn't all great, was it? There was some casual misogyny. And Hugh, didn't Hugh say something like he was going out with the best pair in the world or something? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> spot the lie, there isn't one. So in his defence, he was, he was, he was <laughs> honest yeah, yeah. then. <laughs> but, you know, a bit of casual objectification there. <laughs> well, so before we do a deep dive on the relationship CV before they've met each other, already I can just hear our listeners just screaming out the window in frustration. This is all well and good, but what about their star sign? So I can tell you, Hugh Grant is a Virgo. Elizabeth Hurley, Gemini. Okay. So, Rosie, according to their star signs, what percentage compatibility do you think these two have? Oh, well, I'm a Virgo as well. I didn't realise I shared that with you. I mean, of course, having looked at all the science and psychology of love, I should really poo-poo star science as fake science, as, as false science. But, uh, you know, I'll, I will go with it just for you, Gronia. I would say I think they're a good match, these two, because they they had a good long relationship. They they stayed friends after an incident that we, we, we will come to discuss. And so they knew how to forgive and, and some very healthy things. <laughs> So I'm going to say, well, let, actually, let's say 73%. I think these two have a high percentage, even though I don't, I don't like to go along with the guess. I like to give a different number down the scale to sort of balance it out. But I'm just going to, I'm going to mix things up because it's such an exciting episode for Grania. So I'm going to say, for you, I'm going to say 94%. 94%. Well, I can tell you Ooh. that the website says, what a combination Ooh. with Virgo, Hugh's trust issues, and Gemini, Elizabeth's trickster nature. Both of them are about to go crazy. <laughs> the good thing is they are not prone to jealousy or they would probably kill each other after a couple of weeks. Gemini, Elizabeth Hurley, is not someone Virgo, Hugh Grant, can trust. When Virgo starts doubting and analysing everything, Gemini, Elizabeth Hurley, will simply fly away. In the best case scenario, this will end in endless fights and conflicts. One percent. One percent? Oh. <laughs> Who knew star signs weren't correct? Oh my God, one percent. One? That's brilliant. One percent. That's my favourite. Oh, trickster That's Elizabeth the lowest Hurley. Is that the lowest we've had? One percent. I think we had one other one percent. Have I think we? Okay. Five percent, maybe, but it's 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 down That's there. That's a 
That's a record run. Yeah. Okay, so let's look at the respective backgrounds. So Mm -hmm. Hugh Grant, so his dad was a businessman, but he had spent some time in the army. His mother was a teacher. He's got an older brother, James, who's an investment banker. So he comes from a he comes from sort of a a low key privileged, low key aristocratic posh background, basically. But his family did have like a little bit of financial problems in the 70s with the whole economic crash, but he did fine. He went to private schools. He ended up in Oxford. He seems to be, he was never like, oh my God, I really want to be an actor. He very much fell into acting. Along the way, he created a sketch comedy group called the Jockeys of Norfolk. Great stuff. Which is just great early 80s English comedy there. (laughs) (laughs) The Jockeys of Norfolk on tonight at the Hammersham Arms. Elizabeth also comes from a sort of very middle class background. Her dad also was in the military and her mother also was a teacher. So very similar backgrounds. Mm -hmm. She, I think, is a little bit more sort of like structured and focused than you. She studied ballet for years and years, which I think makes sense. She seems like a very like disciplined person. Then she went through sort of a punk phase and then uh, she finally got into sort of like pursuing acting properly. So they meet for the first time in 1987 on the set of the Spanish film Rowing with the Wind. Oh, classic movie, that. We've all seen it. This was Hurley's first major acting role. And she said he looked great in breeches. Imagine that being the first time you meet someone wearing that. Jeez Louise. He had to have a lot of charm to pull that off. So this is what he said about how he felt when he, he first met Elizabeth. He fancied her like mad. Then on location, they were staggered to find how similar their backgrounds were. Hugh says, it's alarming. Maybe we're both horrible narcissists, so we're attracted to somebody who looked rather like themselves. Her mum's a teacher, so was mine. Her dad was in the army, and mine was briefly. It was spooky. She'd read all the same books, and we had the same sense of humour. People thought we were brother and sister. Oh, these two. It's meant to be. Oh. They were the same. It's great. 1% though. 1%. <laughs> they don't know. They don't know. Okay. So what do you think, Rosie? Like, um, do you think, because they both sort of, sort of as a work romance. Have you ever had a work romance or do you think they, are they usually a good idea? No, terrible idea. I think we're often not too evolved when we have to handle the idea of competition. I haven't gone out with another comedian because (laughs) I learned from back when I had a music career before comedy and I went out with a fellow musician and we used to tour together. I think we found it hard. We struggled when when the other one had got something good because you're kind of happy, but you're you're also jealous. You you know, you are. We're we're not very good at handling that. But, But, hey, maybe Hugh and Liz are really super cool and, you know, they're both good looking and successful so maybe it's fine well so they talk a lot about like this was their big bonding experience that you know they met in the film set and then they're back in London they're living a small little flat they're both struggling actors he's five years older than her but they're both sort of in the same position career-wise where it doesn't seem like anything's happening Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. 
go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Grey's Anatomy, the most iconic binge-worthy drama, is back, along with answers to the biggest cliffhangers. Will Teddy survive? Will Joe and Link finally find happiness together? Meredith returns along with fan faves like Arizona. You can now stream every episode of Grey's ever on Hulu and new episodes next day. Watch the season premiere of Grey's Anatomy tonight at 9, 8 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. What I found interesting is, obviously, after Elizabeth became famous, a story came out about her cheating on you in the early days of their relationship. Okay. So, and maybe Chantelle, you know this guy, because the name rings a bell, but I, I didn't have time to Google him. So, it came out that she had had an affair with the actor Tom Sizemore. Oh, yes. You, oh, God, that's not a good one to have a career with. Tom Sizemore turned out to be not particularly oh. pleasant. <laughs> Tom, well, no, Tom, he was had a, he had a bit of a rocky time, <laughs> Tom Sizemore. He's a complicated character, put it that way. He was, um, he was in, I think you might know, he was in True Romance as a film he was in. Probably one of the biggest films he was well, I know of. Um, I believe he had a relationship with Heidi Fleiss, the famous Hollywood madam. And I believe... There was elements of him not being a particularly nice boyfriend to her and lots of narcotics. It got a bit dark. So, okay. um, so I think compared to Tom Sizemore, Hugh Grant, breaches or not, looked pretty fucking amazing. So that's um, that's quite a strange one for her to have cheated on with. But Okay, well, so this was the account, his account of their time together. He said, Liz Hurley stripped off and danced naked on a coffee table and it was a damn good routine, says Sizemore. She knew what she was doing because she looked at me and asked, is it too bright for you? <laughs> and then got down and dimmed the lights and got back up and then started dancing to the music. After she was done, we had sex. It was wonderful. But then that's when I found out she already had a boyfriend back in England, Hugh Grant. The last time Elizabeth and I saw each other re romantically was heartbreaking. I called her up and I said, I can't do this anymore. Later they met and Sizemore burst into tears. Miss Hurley told him, don't cry, let's walk the dog. Uh, what? She, <laughs> he, he said, she didn't like tears. No Brits do. She said, Tom, I'm begging you, please stop it. I feel bad enough. Oh, I feel like Tom Sizemore was maybe her bit of rough. Before yeah. she um with a little a little bit on the side to get out of her system before she went back to the straight and narrow with Hugh Grant, but I like yeah. the, I, I like I like asking about your um the person you're dancing for checking the lighting's good for them. It's a nice touch. It's cute. And then her changing herself, getting down <laughs> fully naked, bending over. That's really attractive. And changing the lamp and then getting back up. Ignore that. Anyways, back to this. <laughs> like ignore the man behind the curtain. <laughs> It reminds me of one of my Edinburgh shows. Um, I, the, it was very lo-fi and I had to change the lighting myself. But I had to sort of kind of run to the back of the room suddenly and find an excuse to do that. became like performance art. But I wasn't doing a kind of sexy Liz Hurley dance. I probably should have done. I might have that's got where, more That's people. where you went wrong. Yeah. <laughs> I could have been Wouldn't you. Have had to do all that flyering in the rain. <laughs> so this is very much like the, um, the golden period of Liz and Hugh, where they're both still struggling actors and nobody really knows who they are yet but you know they're they're a united team mm -hmm. so Rosie what we like to do is go on a little 
mind journey together where <laughs> ring ring it's a phone call <gasps> and it's from the early 90s and it's Elizabeth and Hugh and they're inviting you for a night out what do you imagine a night out with Liz and Hugh during their pomp being like well, in the early 90s, now that was when I was doing music and was kind of gigging a lot around Camden. And it was very much that time of the cross-pollination of the different cultural worlds of art and music and film in London. And I, I can picture us in a sort of brick poppy boozer, you know, like the places I used to play, like the Camden Monarch or the Barfly and these places. And, you know, rubbing shoulders with Damon Albarn and Damien Hurst and, you know, all of those kind of London wait, 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 Rosie. Rosie, I'm going to have to interrupt you there. Are you really telling me that Liz Hurley, queen of white jeans, is going to be going to Camden on a Thursday night with a kind of oh, white red Thursday? Oh, I see. Oh, well, that's different. Maybe we'd be in a fancier place then. Fair enough. But <laughs> I think sometimes they would get a bit down and dirty. Maybe she would rest her white jeans for the weekend. <laughs> she does naked with Tom Sizemore going and she's got a wild side. Okay. Yeah, exactly. You see? Yeah. That's that's the wild side uh, wild side I, all coming out. I imagine Hugh and Liz in that period where it's like they're always in like some posh friends kitchen and they're having like a <laughs> dinner party and they're always being real rueful. I feel like they're always really like, Oh god, I'm in this awful Catherine cooks an adaptation oh my bloody career my agent i think they're dead i feel like there'll be lots of that going on are you just picturing like the dinner scenes from like all richard curtis films yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's what i'm picturing <laughs> i thought they were acting <laughs> do you think do you think Hugh it would be a during this bit this is pre-fame hugh grant is he a good boyfriend to liz hurley or what do you see their dynamic being like I, I really think they're a good couple because they, you know, after a certain incident that we'll, we'll come on to, they stayed together for a, a good few years and remained friends and remain friends to this day, I think. So I think it's often the relationship after the breakup that tells you a lot about the health of the relationship while it was it was playing out as a romantic and, and sexual partnership. So, yeah, I think they were good and I think they must have had decent communication skills because you know, really forgiveness about infidelities was maybe out of sorts with that time. Because I can remember one TV show that I worked on during my course as a, I worked as a locations assistant on a TV show called The Politician's Wife. It was, I think the tone of this thing was very much that, oh, you know, all, all cheating is done by men, which is, of course, a load of rubbish, as we've already discussed in this uh, in this episode and cheating is terrible and your whole life and career will fall down mm -hmm. around you which I don't think is true either I think you, you can forgive it and you can move forwards and and sometimes these things just happen because monogamy is actually really really flipping difficult uh, yeah I do find it quite interesting how there are some couples from from that era that were able to move past having affairs and things and you know it's no big deal yeah. Because prior well, to this, they seem. Did you think they were a good couple, Grindy? But they're your favourite dream couple for this. So I feel like we have to get your opinion a bit more as well. I think they seemed so 
this is my idea of like really posh English people where they all seem to have really healthy skin. Mm. They never wear makeup. They wear sort of real bashered clothes and they seem to be really sexually confident and sort of casual in a way that I think working class people just, it's just like a completely different language. And just whenever I see, like that's my idea of Liz and Hugh in that period where they're just like, oh, I, I think I might have a cheeky shag with Jeremy. <laughs> And then they're, they'd say it to their partner and they'd be like, oh, what, you know, like real Jilly Cooper. I get real yeah. sort of Jilly Cooper vibes where they're just having a bloody great time and it's real tacky to get annoyed about anything. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. it's very beneath them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I get that. Although it's interesting, isn't it? Because posh people, you can imagine being awkward about sex a lot of the time. I mean, you, you've done a brilliant episode with Shazia all about you know, very famous divorce, Charles and Diana, and how awkward he would have been around sex. And it, it feels like Liz Hurley is more of the kind of Camilla ilk, doesn't it? More of the, oh, mm. oh come on then, let's let's have a lovely time. Mm. Yeah, a shag on the agar. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, let's hope it's not, make sure it's turned off or whatever you do at your agar. Um, <laughs> things, things are about to change, Hot though. Stuff. Nineteen ninety four, Hugh okay. Grant stars in a, a little film called Four Weddings and a Funeral. So that makes him famous, but that year on the red carpet, a dress makes Elizabeth Hurley a star. Mm-hmm. So it's a huge big change for both of them, where he is sort of a few months before her, but then both of them in the space of a year go from struggling actors to some of the most famous people on the planet 100% so what how that's gonna change suddenly you go from just like bumbling and blah 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 to both of you and it, it becoming really famous and at the very same time yeah and you're famous as a couple you're like a power couple overnight it it's says, really good it probably it probably stopped them being too envious of each other I suppose mm-hmm. it must I, I know they're famous for different reasons as well so they weren't really in he wasn't in competition to find a you know dress of his own to match hers and she seems i think literally as much as she obviously was pursuing a film and acting i also get the feeling that she was quite happy if she got famous from because she was a model as well so she said, if, if i did this through modeling that's fine by me i just want to be successful in doing something i find artistic and creative and celebrates me basically i don't think she was exactly trying to be a bard on the stage you know I what mean, i mean that's what love about Liz Hurley. I what I love yeah. about Liz there's no pretense of like I'd really love to do an no. Ibsen play at the national. <laughs> no, no, no. Do you know? <laughs> she's like, I, I want to be in the talkies, whatever. Like she says that's it. That's what it be in some rom coms, please. Um, so I found a really lovely interview from Hugh Grant where he talks about Elizabeth and it's from the period where they're dating. Okay. So is this before or after four weddings or is this like on the publicity trail? It's around the four weddings. Okay. So So she said that even though Hugh drives her demented, she couldn't imagine having children with anybody else and she likes the idea of their genes uniting. Mm -hmm. And then he said, I rather feel the same. And probably I do drive her demented. I'm I'm sure I am irritating, but I wouldn't say tolerance is her greatest quality. She has very strong opinions about how life should be and how the day should be and what restaurant we should be going to and woe betide anyone who dares to differ. She has a frightful temper. I'd do anything to avoid a row, but she shouts and then there's a bit of throwing and people cower. There was one particular telephone she used to throw at me an awful lot and she once hit me with a pestle, as in a pestle and mortar in her kitchen. 
We call it our restle with the pestle. I've hardly hit her, but I once gave her a dead leg. She's as strong as an ox, but she has the strength of insanity, I always think. She'd be all right, whatever happened. She'd be all right in an Iranian jail. She'd end up running it. Oh, we need to get her on the show. <laughs> I love Liz Hurley. Oh, wow. She can How do no wrong. That wrestle with the pestle. The wrestle with the pestle. I mean, there's so much to unpack there, isn't there? There is. That's incredible. But they seem very happy. He seems into it. Yes. It seems like like Hugh doesn't seem an incredibly like driven person. He feels like he seems like somebody who's just very charming, good looking, is able to wing it quite a bit. And she's a dancer. Like she's she is she's got determination. And I think she probably just gives him a kick up the bum. So the interview concludes with again, he's still talking about Liz. She truly doesn't know how eccentric she is. She lives in a sort of strange hurly world. She never watches TV, for instance. I sit there with my slack jaw in front of rubbish. She can't bear the noise, so she has to leave the room. And she'll never admit she's wrong over anything. Everyone's frightened of her. Have you met her? She's terrifying. Terrifying. What I will say is Elizabeth loves my mum's jokes. They get on very well. When she comes over, mum plays the piano and Elizabeth plays the recorder. Recorder. Oh, it's just wonderful, isn't it? You never know, so be at once petrifying and also play the recorder. That takes some doing to have those two skills at once. Because I think there was something very like I remember when the two of them were together. There, there was something very sort of like Enid Blyton, like very jolly hockey sticks, but also quite mm. like like kinkier. I don't know. They would just seem like they're up. There's always like a twinkle in in their eye. They seemed a little bit filthy, but also yeah. because they were so posh. They were just very much like, even on the red carpet, they were very much like, ugh, isn't this ridiculous? Here we are on the red carpet. Yeah, you know? it was so bloody American. It's, oh, it's so ugh. silly out here. What on earth are we doing? Oh, God, what a load of absolute tosh this is. I can't wait to get home with a bottle of red. Lots of that. <laughs> yeah. But like they said, they, they work very well together because, you know, they become really famous that, you know, incredible year. And very quickly afterwards, they form their own production company together called Simeon Productions. That's Wait. always a sign of things are not going to work out. That never works out. All the couples that do it, Brad and Jim, Brad and Angelie, don't Reese, Reese and Ryan Felipe, don't start a production company with your husband or partner. Doesn't do well. It's same as renewing your vows. Don't do it. These are one of the rules we've learned from celebrity couples. Don't do it. It's doomed. Well, so clouds are on the horizon because just a year into their reign as the king and queen of British. Hollywood, things start to go right because Hugh Grant is in Hollywood. He's just seen a screening of... of oh, is it nine months? Nine months. So, he, nine so months. Hugh Grant, he's just seen a screening of nine months. He says at the time... He, he he's genuinely was. He genuinely <laughs> came out of the screening. He said he thought he was really bad in it. He thought everybody else was brilliant. He felt so like embarrassed. He was under so much pressure. Because like he he was like in his mid-30s at this stage. He'd been a jobbing actor for a long time. There was so much pressure. He was this overnight sensation. So he said he felt so much that he had to build on the success of Four Weddings and a Funeral. It had to be bigger, bigger, better. He, he went to see the screening. He was like, oh my God, I'm so bad in this. This is so awful. This is the end of my career. He was correct. None of these things are incorrect. Everything he was thinking was right. <laughs> this is an anxiety. This is the truth. 
It wasn't the end of his career, though. It wasn't but... the end of his career. It wasn't well, the end maybe of his career, what he right. did next actually helped in a weird yeah, way. Yeah, exactly. So he was oh, like, yeah. what can I do? I've got it. <laughs> he was actually inspired by Liz Hurley. <laughs> Just do something scandalous. <laughs> <laughs> Who else has a, a bad gig and, and thinks of Hugh's plan? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Who amongst us? Come on. We've all been there. <laughs> So in a fit of, I don't know, existential crisis, he decides he wants to walk. This is what he said. He decided to walk on the wild side and engage the services of a sex worker on Sunset Boulevard. Mm-hmm. Her na- name is Divine Brown. Divine Brown. Don't know if mm-hmm. i heard of her. And apparently what happened was he kept putting his foot on the brake pedal. He's so British. He's so fucking British. And that's what alerted the cops. He's so, he's like fucking Mr. Magoo goes to a, goes to a street worker. It's like, bloody hell, what's wrong with you? It's like, I imagine the happy. so embarrassing. Think about a bumbling. We get it. You're English. Jesus. So, Rosie, do you remember when this scandal broke? Talk us through it. <laughs> oh god well i i just have those mug shots emblazoned on my mind oh, iconic it, oh my god it seemed such a shock because hugh had really built up this charming persona and you know as i say i was a young gay woman but i felt like he was a man i could sort of have a crush on because he felt a bit safe even though as you rightly say gronier he and liz had this sort of sexiness about them but he also felt quite appropriate in mm. in his behavior like i felt like if you met him he'd be very very nice and charming and you know would feel like he'd be, be all... a flirt but he never actually cheat he would just flirt yeah. around and make a bit have a, have a bit of a giggle with a girl but always be oh whatever i have to go home now type thing. yeah exactly that so there's yeah, a safety to him a good boy a nice yeah. boy so this was quite a shock and quite a well at the time you thought quite a stain on his nice boy image and Please well, he, talk about it, it. It was angry, wasn't it? My my feeling, my read on he just, it. Was he looks pretty... kind of. It was like a mixture of anger and intense embarrassment. I've never <laughs> seen someone like more embarrassed in their mugshot, and also fed up. It looks like he was. Oh, can we just bloody well get on with this? It's like he stood there. <laughs> yes. going, oh, okay, here we go. Come on then. And it was really annoyed oh, to be there. The whole thing was so humiliating for him. Yeah, cor- like... it was like he, a corpse of somebody who had died yes. from embarrassment. Yes, it, like cause com- of death. Exactly. He looked so just humiliated, just absolutely humiliated. Oh. Never, you think of all the mugs of Lindsay Lowe and Paris, they all look kind of like cute and cool. No, no, no. This oh, man no, didn't. This he was... was and then the stripes, the sort of lame, like beige shirt with brown horizontal stripes <laughs> yes. he's wearing. It's so bad. That's the outfit he chose to wear to go walk on the wild side. <laughs> the wild outfit. <laughs> I I remember well. so well. I was on holidays with my family. Obviously, with my family. No, I was. I was. <laughs> I was in the Maldives, thinking about what I was going to do next. Yeah, it was like a little mini break. Let's get a walk on the wild side. <laughs> and I remember, you know, like people don't know nowadays, but in the old days, when you were on holidays, <laughs> you didn't days. have, but you didn't have like the internet, so it was like this weird sort of like nebulous you know limbo land where you mm. just didn't hear news for like days or you know if you were totally. on holidays for a week then you come home and you'd be like what's the news yeah and I, I remember i don't know how my dad had found some news agents and he bought the i remember the headlines at the pool looking at and i just 
I, I remember my first reaction was, oh my God. I just was like, Liz Hurley. I couldn't imagine Liz Hurley being embarrassed. That yeah. was what I was most excited about. I was like, Liz Hurley is going to be embarrassed. <laughs> what is that I, like? <laughs> but as a teenage girl, she had just seen so like cool, like nothing would ever bother her. And I was just like, oh my God. It's like the ultimate like cool girl. My actually. Yeah. What? So, well, let's find out how she dealt with the news because she said that she found out from her agent. Then, minutes later, he rang. Oh, um, this is so bad. <laughs> she said she felt like she'd been shot. And then she was asked, like, why do you think he did it? Why do you think he did it? And she said, I think, like most things in life, you do things because you want to. Good answer. Mm. Good answer. There was this weird, because the tabloids were obsessed with the state of Liz and Hugh's relationship where even I remember there was paparazzi pictures outside their flat and a mattress was delivered and that was a real like what does that mean Liz has got a new mattress delivered Grania did you make your family leave the holiday early you're like I have to go home guys it's Liz and Liz and Liz and Hugh are in trouble we have to leave back to Ireland Or to watch everything play out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'll need this one day. You wait. <laughs> the mattress being delivered, that's interesting, though, because I've done a lot of studies that show that actually sleeping separately is incredibly healthy in a relationship. My wife and I often sleep separately several nights of the week. Yeah. And there was, a, in fact, a study done that showed that the majority of people who do sleep separately are much happier in their partnership. It's not an indication of some kind of doom and and a sexless partnership. I think it's actually quite a good idea if you have different schedules and if I in the times when I've got events and I'm coming in later and she's getting up early for work, I think it's I think it's quite a good idea. Also, she likes to sleep with the dog and I like to sleep with the cat. So <laughs> it all Makes works sense. out works out perfectly although interestingly the survey that was done that found that people were happier sleeping separately was done by a bed company did they happen did they happen to have a two for one special going at the same time yeah, as yeah, that survey yeah. came out yeah <laughs> so maybe there was... they did when when the mattress was delivered to uh to liz, and to liz yeah yeah so then also two weeks after this incident the oh both of them appeared at the premiere for nine months this oh, curse i can't film. believe they went i just can't believe she went i just don't know if i love her for it or <laughs> I just cannot believe her, her manager, her agent said, yeah, yeah, go. Yeah, no, that's for the best. <laughs> no, what's that? It's just crackers. And at the end, she said, oh, well, I see why you did it now. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you mean. <laughs> but what I thought was so fascinating is if you look at the red carpet outfit, Elizabeth Hurley wears to that premiere. So she, you know, she's famous for being like super sexy, high glam. But at that premiere, she's in this really like, demure white dress white, I think she's got course. a crucifi- crucifix and she's got her hair like really She lo- oh my god oh, she's I love a- it when women do that it's so good I love when women speak through their clothes men never do that they don't think of it but women oh it's so good wearing the white dress with the crucifix yes Liz the <laughs> I campness I just love the oh. campness of it somewhere Elton John was cheering her on <laughs> I just know it <laughs> And then she said around this time, Hugh Grant proposes to her. Classic move. And she was like, no. (laughs) (laughs) So what do you think? Like this must, they've had 
they've had a very intense relationship. They meet when they're both going through this, you know, really intense, they're both scrabbling to try and find some sort of, like, career. They're both, like, relatively, you know, they don't have a lot of cash. Then they both suddenly find this crazy level of fame together. How do you think they were able to navigate what happened? Because they, they stayed together for, I think, five more years. Was after it five more years? Five more years. So as, wow. our, as our breakup expert, Rosie, what do you think, how were they able to do it? Incredible. <laughs> I love it. Breakup expert. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they did stay together five more years, and I I read up on that again and checked mm-hmm. it, and I think it's good, isn't it, that they they I did stay together good. after this because, like you say, such an intense experience, and the relationship was under such scrutiny, and everybody expected it to fail really quite quickly mm. after that because it, it yeah. was seen as a sort of transgressive act. Oh, you know, he went to see a sex worker and, and we were all supposed to be disapproving. That was the certainly the mood of the times. It probably would be the mood now, to be honest, as well. But there was another study done that said that actually it's not the two individuals and the characteristics of those two individuals that determines the happiness in a relationship and the relationship quality. It's actually the dynamic that you create between you. So I feel like in this intense bubble, on this intense roller coaster they'd been on, they'd created such an intense bubble that they were bonded together yeah. by that. I think in in a good, in a positive way. I mean, sometimes it that could be in a negative way, but I think in a in a really positive way in their case, they just had so much shared history. And like you say, they both shot to stardom in ways that they'd really both individually enjoyed at a similar time. So there yeah. wasn't that sense of, of threat or insecurity on any side, really. It didn't feel like the kind of... It didn't feel like a Richard Burden type or Jack Nicholson style. Of, you know what I mean? The kind of serial cheaters we've had where this is a, a pattern of somebody who's not taking his girlfriend's feelings very seriously. It did seem like... A, I know every guy, just that one time, sweetheart, I promise. But it did really feel like it was just that one time and he was in a really weird place and it just kind of happened and it didn't really seem to have much of an impact on his feelings towards her and... Or her feelings towards him, really. And so I think mm-hmm. they could just... I get the feeling they could both talk about it quite pragmatically and sort of say, this is what it was. This is what it means. This is what it doesn't mean. So why would we throw away the last this relationship that otherwise is perfectly fine during this time of our lives? And all this stuff is happening because of one silly mistake I made, which I know sounds simplistic, but I think that's... I mean, they were, and also they weren't like 22-year-old morons. They were adults. They were quite mature. And they, they both seemed quite equally intelligent. I think they kind of... I mean, I'm giving them a lot here, but I think they probably should just kind of talk through it. And it kind of, you know what I mean? It, it always kind of, it made sense. They'd be like, oh God, that was a silly, dumb little thing you did. And you should probably throw a phone at him and it was fine. You know, they just kind of <laughs> had a little talk and got over it. Is that yeah. what you thought, Grania? Well, I think, I think they're both quite pragmatic people. Yeah. And Same. I think they're both quite sophisticated. They're not idiots. And they're both incredibly busy. And they both have this incredible career that's based on the two of them together. So. You know, I just can't imagine her being like a emotionally theatrical about it and kind of going cray. Oh, you don't love me. I think she's like, you really screwed up here and you've ruined potentially your career and embarrassed <laughs> me. But relationship wise, this doesn't actually affect that much. And we're better together than we are apart type thing. Yeah. Not well, that I think yeah. they did this. I don't think they were together for business reasons. I think they had a genuine, deep, deep, deep love for one another. Well, so... That all, so that all kicked off in 1995. And Divine Brown always thanked Hugh Grant as well, by the way, because he was very nice to her. 
Because well, the press was very cruel at the time. I think it's worth saying the press was really mean to Divine Brown. And there was a lot of racism involved in that, especially about how could he choose this over Liz. Was a, they were very cruel to her. And Hugh Grant was always very respectful, very nice. As kept in touch, has always been very nice to her and helped her out. And she's often said, I really thank Hugh Grant for a lot of things. He's always been a really nice guy to her. So Divine Brown did as better than she were done, I think, with a lesser gentleman. Put it that way. <laughs> Well, so five years after one of the biggest celeb scandal of our age, sadly, Hugh and Liz are no more. So after 13 years together, they announced an amicable split in May 2000. And this is what this is interesting. They said it is a temporary thing. It is a mutual and amicable decision. They would like to stress there are no third parties involved. It's good. So it's interesting mm-hmm. that they, it was described as temporary as well. Yeah. It's a bit like, you know, when girls are loud at the Spice Girls, it's always like they're on a break. <laughs> yeah, they're always on a break. <laughs> so, Rosie, why do you think after they've been through all this, you know, they've, they've might talk about crucible, you know, of they've been through everything. They've been through poverty, instant fame, international scandal. They weathered that. Poverty's pushing it. I think think, think it's slightly small flight of Primrose Hill. I think poverty, I think we've pushed it a bit far there. Yeah. Why do you think they couldn't, it couldn't last long term? Well, I think relationships don't always last long term. And I think we need to get all these fairy tales about it always lasting forever out of our heads because it's Thank so you, unrealistic. And you can still oh, think I, of this as a successful relationship, can't you, we can absolutely No, I think we've got to completely screw up the script about the success and failure of a relationship, depending on whether it stays together or whether it ends. I think if you can separate consciously and have a, in inverted commas, conscious uncoupling, although I don't really like that phrase you know i think that's a great success rather than staying together for years and years and years and growing to hate each other i think recognizing when the relationship has evolved and maybe moved into a friendship and it isn't that romantic and sexual partnership anymore and it is the right time to split amicably and respectfully and communicate about that in a really healthy way and if you can accept new partners um yeah then that's really 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 healthy so i absolutely yeah. think that's a that's a huge success i don't know why we set them um, celebrate wedding anniversaries and this ascending hierarchy of gifts like you know you get golds and rubies and diamonds and sapphires if you've been together forever but you you know about to kill each other <laughs> yeah exactly why not celebrate the breakups you know have a party have a divorce party have a breakup party. i've been to I divorce parties think... and they're great yeah. Yeah, and celebrate if you're still friends with it. I'm really against you can't be friends with an ex. I'm, I find that an incredibly childish way of thinking, very simplistic and black and white way of thinking about relationships. You can't be friends. It's weird to be friends with an ex. Like, no, it's not. If you not guys like Hugh and Liz ended and you just became friends, then. I think they should have anniversaries every year of their friendship, of how they've lasted. Because yeah. they've still now been friends now since when do they meet? 87? That's a oh, huge amount of time. So, oh, well, let this is what they said about the split themselves. So mm-hmm. Hugh was asked and he said, basically, my life is so boring. It's embarrassing. I would love to be a jet setter flying off to parties in New York, Monte Carlo. Obviously, I was simply too dull for Liz. I believe it. 
But I think that's very tongue in cheek. That's very like, there's a lot of love. And then um, he said, the sex bit probably fizzled out, but now she's my absolute best friend. Number one person I call in a crisis. I 100% believe that, but they chat all the time, 100%. And then Mm. this is what Liz said about about the time. He used to really annoy me, actually. I mean, I love him, but he's very annoying. My friends used to call him Grumple Stiltskin. Oh, he I is very grumpy, but I found it actually fairly charming. Oh, I love Aww. them. Oh, yeah, that's brilliant. That's and so to be healthy. fair, they've never gone on to do better than they had with each other. Well, OK, so we'll get oh. to that. So after the split, Liz found it difficult because, as she famously said, it's very difficult to date civilians. Yep. <laughs> They don't tend to like the white jeans as much, I've noticed. (laughs) It's hard to date civilians. So she had a brief fling with billionaire Steve Bing, with whom she had her son with. I've forgotten her son's name. He's gorgeous, I know that. Oh, he's so gorgeous. (laughs) He looks just like Liz Hurley. I'm obsessed with him on Instagram. Oh, it's incredible. And she used to dress him like a little, like, 1940s ghost you like, would with that but he just got all of her bone structure damien, i don't know how it happened thank damien. You. damien damien hurley oh what i love about him is whenever he posts a picture the people who comment on on damien hurley's picture is always like it's always john collins love you <laughs> I know. david furnish heart <laughs> patsy kensish looking great kiss 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 <laughs> It's so true. And a frill pops in. Love you, darling. See you when I beat her this year. <laughs> so good. Just a normal day on Instagram. Oh, we could do a whole podcast on comments left on Damien Hurley's pictures. Easily. Oh, God. So who's wow. who? So um, then she married Indian billionaire Arun Nair in 2007. I remember that. I remember that. And I will say as a joke, when I was preparing for my wedding, I kept saying, just what would Liz Hurley do? Because <laughs> my husband is family or Indian heritage. So I was like, I'm very much leaning on Liz Hurley as a touchstone. <laughs> but then they split. Then she was briefly engaged to Shane Warne. Oh, She's that was now... a dark time for everyone. <laughs> just a dark time for all of us. Oh, what was that was rough. Uh, she's now currently single. Now currently identifies as single. Unbelievable! Unbelievable! Wow. She somehow she gets young. Oh, she looks. She just looks amazing. Oh. I know it's not. I know it's not all about looks. I understand that, but she also seems to be really fucking hilarious and wonderful as well. But just on top of that, she also looks amazing. I'm not gonna. She has a whole. Doesn't she have a bikini brand? A line. She's, she's a bikini designer. Line? Of course she is. She's, she, as you said, she's a great pair. She, <laughs> look amazing. Do you, think, do you think some people are a bit too? perfect that it's a bit daunting for potential suitors and admirers to I think she'd be quite quite intimidating yeah what what I love Mm. about what I like about Liz Hurley is she's not one of those it's effortless or oh I don't really care she's like I only eat one meal a day yeah I remember she had, whenever they asked about her diet before um, before red carpets, she, they had someone else say, oh, I eat lots of fruit. She's like, don't eat fruit. It's full of carbs and sugar and water. You'll bloat immediately. Or you have a salad. Just that's all you eat, a salad. No dressing all day. You're starving constantly. You want to get in the dress, don't you, for God's sake? She gets so like angry about it. But she's so honest about it. She's like, yeah, I eat cucumber for a week. That's how I fit in the dress. What do you want from me? But I like the honesty. I respect yeah. it. So Hugh's love life. Again, this is sort of a, it's a reference oh, a I return to quite a bit. It's quite like War of the Roses in its complexity. It very is War of the Roses, is one, yeah. So he you did... can't get through all of them. So I'll just give you the highlights. He dated yeah. Jemima McCann for quite a period of time. Then in September 2011, 
He had a daughter with Tinglang Hong after what mm-hmm. was described a fleeting affair. Then the following year, he had a second child with Swedish television producer Anna Ebertsen. Then Hong and Grant briefly reunited and she gave birth to Grant's third child, yeah. son called Felix. In December of that same year, he and Ebertsen had their second child, a girl, and then a third child was born the following year and they married in 2018. So there and was somewhere, a- somewhere Nick Cannon was taking notes. <laughs> he was like, I'll beat you at this. So there was a like a year where he had two children with two different people. Mm. He's a busy boy. Yeah. But more importantly, him and Liz are still very good friends. He is godfather to friend of the podcast, Thanks. iconic Damien. And this is what Liz said about Hugh. There's no romantic flicker, but we love each other a lot. I mean, I love him passionately. I love him like I love my son and my brother, and I used to love my father. It's a grand passion, but I think it's quite nice when you realise you can have a passionate friendship with someone that's not actually sexual. It's just really intense feelings of love. It's great. Do you agree, Rosie? Yeah, I, I absolutely agree. I mean, in the gay community, there's been a long tradition of staying friends with ex-partners because it's sort of a small community and you have to because there's no one else to be friends with. But also if you have shared... There's only one bar they're going to be there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've got to be nice to your exes, 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 exes because, oh, that's you. <laughs> yeah. um, you know, and your ex is probably going to get together with someone that you know. So you sort of all meet in the same circles. I sat around the table with about three or four exes sometimes and just thought, okay, you know, we've all got to just get on. So I I think you can. I think it's perfectly possible to do and I think, you know, it helps you process things together and and work out why maybe you weren't meant to be with that person or weren't meant to be with that person anymore, but why they're still really a useful and valuable presence in your life. So I think this is a really nice story to have talked about. Same. Um, Yeah, inspiring. Because, yeah, if you break up, you can still stay friends. You can move past stuff, dramatic stuff happening. Yeah. Um, Rosie, you're not going to like this question. You're going to kick and fight against this question. But I'm afraid this whole podcast has been leading up to this question. It hinges on this. So yes, it's all everything is very fluid and it's all Aren't they degrees. progressive? They're very positive, blah, very blah, modern. Blah. But let's be honest, in Come on. every po- in every relationship, <laughs> especially every breakup, it's a binary thing. There are mm-hmm. winners and there are losers. There are friends you're happy for, there're friends that you're worried about. So in the split between Hugh Grant and Elizabeth Hurley, who won? Who thrived and who simply survived? <laughs> this is a hard one in this case, yep. isn't it? I mean, typically we always say it's the man, don't we? And I'm I'm tempted to say it's Hugh because I think his career has gone from strength to strength and I just think he's still retained a huge amount of credibility and actually gained some credibility from a little bit of scandal and he was able to move past that sort of charming <laughs> bumbling English who's <laughs> pressing the brake light and I think he you know he's played some much more you know sort of naughty baddie characters hasn't he so yeah he, I I think he 
allowed the world to see him in a more three-dimensional way. So I think he's gone from strength to strength, certainly in his professional life. Mm. But as you say, maybe he's not ever found another Liz. Who who has? Who could? I haven't. I've been looking. <laughs> They're not out there. Liz carries on living her life like she's a character in a Jackie Collins novel. Do you agree that Hugh's the winner, Grania? No, I don't. Dissension. I'm just going to say, no, because I think I think Liz Hurley has everything that she wants. And I think deep down, Liz Hurley is happier than Hugh Grant. But I also agree with Rosie that Hugh Grant's career. I like, we have two different answers here. We have two different <laughs> answers. There's team Liz and there's team Hugh and we can all get along just like Hugh and Liz. Yeah. <laughs> Haven't they taught us anything? Yeah, it's all advocable, lots of respect, we can, mutual we can love. Each see, yeah, we can see the other person's point of view. <laughs> and if you don't, we'll throw phones at you. So. Yeah. <laughs> I've got Rogary. my ready. <laughs> so, Rosie, we do have one final question for you. We do have one final very, very important question. Hopefully you can help us with this one. There's a certain lady out there um, who we are trying desperately to find someone to love her as much as she deserves to be loved. As we always say, we don't think she needs anyone. We simply think she deserves to be loved. Put your thinking cap on, Rosie. Can you find someone for the one, the only, Cher? I did have a quick Google of this. And <laughs> has Cher not found herself a toy boy? We Am I don't... wrong? Um, we here we're truthers we don't believe, we don't we don't um we don't believe in that relationship being a long term it's a, a bit of fun it's a bit of fun it could it's a bit if of it lasts fun. good but it'd be good to have a backup plan yeah, okay exactly okay, backup plan got you got you so i, I just want to check about that because we can't believe everything oh no we, we've we we've discussed that at length don't oh. worry no oh, i got you okay well i was thinking because I, I was thinking sort of you know, I do think musicians of, of a similar sort of generation and age would be interesting. And mm -hmm. as you often say, it doesn't really matter if they're married. And I was thinking of Dave Stewart of the Ooh. Eurythmics. Um, oh, I like it. Yeah, yeah, I just thought he's kind of cool, similar sort of age, a little bit younger, I think. But because I know he got oh, divorced like from Siobhan, from Bananarama slash Shakespeare's sister. And I think he married again, didn't he, to a, a photographer. Even if they're still married, I thought she could aside. join them in a Definitely. kind of thruple. A thruple, yeah, yeah. Well, she, it's a vibe. She, she, she could step aside, but I think a thruple would be very cool and very of the, of the time. And I think she. Very pretty open-minded and I think Dave Stewart's probably pretty open-minded fully agree and, yeah I, th I think it'd be fun I think it'd be good, good oh times. I love and then she gets to meet Annie what's Lennox. her name from Annie Lennox and her and Annie get to become pals yeah. oh yes what they Duet might well album. already be yeah yeah and especially if he's working with Annie all those years, he's he's good at a strong woman. That's what I was going to say, Grania. Mm. Yes, he's good. Yes. To, he's used to having a strong woman around. Exactly. I love this. Well, Great Ed, one. Rosie, just smashing it again. Iconic couple, an iconic suggestion for sure. Thank, well, you, thank you so much for bringing not only your, your comic genius to our podcast, but also <laughs> your knowledge about breakups as well. Bringing a sort of a... An intellectual slice to all our nonsense. <laughs> and as well. bringing Grania's, the reason she started this podcast was yeah. to discuss this couple. So bringing her dream oh, well, couple choice yeah. on. You couldn't have done better. That was uh, a happy accident. Uh, Rosie, where can our listeners find out more from you? Well, I am 
on Twitter while it still survives at Rosie Wilby. Does... I'm on in... <laughs> I'm on Instagram at Breakup Monologues, which is also the title of my podcast and book. The Breakup Monologues podcast is on all your podcasty platforms. Which obviously, after you've listened to all the episodes of this one, of uh, you can go and listen to all the archives of the Breakup Monologues. We've had lots of fantastic people sharing their breakup stories, and we've done sort of some collective healing with the humour and laughter. And the Breakup Monologues book is published by Bloomsbury and it's available anywhere you get your books in all your lovely little local bookshops, indies, but also the mainstream bookshoppy places as well. Amazing! Thank you so much, Rosie. Lovely to see you. (laughs) Bye! The Way They Were is an Amanda Redman production produced by Abby Weaver and Amanda Redman. We want to hear your celebrity couple crush, so email us on thewaytheywerepod at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at thewaytheywerepod and we're on Instagram at thewaytheywerepodcast. Thanks to you for listening. Until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye. The, the Way They, they Were. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.